kid. Just try a little bit. It's no big deal. No big deal? Ah, you'll love it. You've never felt like this before. Trust me, kid. It's going to change your world. I kind of like my world as it is. Oh, that's because you have no vision. Oh, I don't know. Seems kind of risky. No, you can stop anytime you want. Oh, I don't know if that's true. I watched Next Generation and they were very clear that this is a dangerous path to go on. Next Generation? What's that? The Next Generation? Data? Picard? <laughs> Whatever, kid. All I know is this is going to change your life at a price you can afford. Well, Wesley told me not to do drugs, so no thank you. Well, I didn't know I was dealing with Wesley. See you later, kid. Bye. Welcome back to the Next Next Generation podcast. I'm Catherine. And regrettably, I'm Charles. (laughs) Today we are sitting back in our chairs and pondering upon Season 1, Episode 22, Symbiosis. Yep, I'm pondering, all right. (laughs) Where do you want to start with this one? I think we already did. (laughs) I guess we did. We started with the PSA. The awkward, inserted, unnecessary PSA. Of course, we're jumping ahead of ourselves, and maybe we should get there in the proper time and start from the beginning. (laughs) When do we ever do that? Never. This episode started strong. It started well, actually. I was very excited to maybe have an 8, dare I say 9, or a 10. Oh, you dreamt too big, and you came crashing back to Earth. Sadly, (laughs) I did. Your wings melted as you attempted to touch the sun. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Much like the sun they were studying in this episode. Smooth transition. Oh, yes. You know I'm always smooth. <laughs> I'm so smooth. <laughs> <sighs> okay, let's get serious for a moment. Oh, how can we with this episode? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try. Overall, the directing was on point in this episode, with the exception of the PSA scene. I thought the cinematography was... Better than normal. It was interesting. The camera angles, some of the panning conversations through hallways, really great stuff. However, we always come back to plot. In this case, it lived up to its premise, but its premise was not great to begin with. Yeah, the whole style of this episode was very different. For example, at the very beginning, Picard was making an announcement to the entire ship, but we first started hearing that announcement in engineering and then we went back to seeing him making it and then back to engineering just hearing it over the intercom that kind of thing showing more action on the ship it felt less static we also saw a lot of people talking in hallways i think you mentioned that particularly Riker and yar had a long discussion while they were walking at a pretty good clip down the hallway so it just made everything feel more dynamic we did look up the director he directed some miami vice and that kind of thing It definitely felt more like a crime show of the time, more than the very staid single camera thing we get a lot. Yeah, a lot more close shots, moving shots. Moving cameras. I guess that's a big thing, right? 
we're kind of like working through this because we're not, you know, cinematographers. We have to think about it a lot when we try to analyze this stuff. But yeah, that's what it was. The camera was moving. That hardly ever happens on the show. As far as the plots, even setting aside the PSA, drugs are bad, drugs will ruin your life moment, which was horrifically inserted at a random moment. And awkwardly delivered. Well, yeah, the actors didn't buy it at all. You could tell that. Yeah. It was more than awkward. It was cringy. Completely. Even if you take that out, okay, normally I say the idea of the episode was better than the execution, right? You say that all the time. I do. In this episode, the execution was much better than the idea, on the whole. I was totally along for the ride. The very beginning with the star, what's going to happen with that? Then they switch gears to a rescue mission, and then that turns into this unplanned diplomatic situation that they have to deal with now. They can't not deal with it on some level. I was along, and then when we saw these new people, I started to realize, oh, they're addicted to something. They're not sick. Way before they ever said that in the episode. And then it just kept falling farther and farther down in my rating. So it turned out that the original idea, which we looked it up, we don't normally look it up, but the idea was that they interrupted a drug deal in progress. I didn't like that. I didn't like that they conceptualized it as a drug deal. This weird relationship the two planets had, I could have been fine with that. But the drug thing, uh, I don't think in the 80s they could handle this topic deftly or subtly just ends up being too on the nose and not that much fun. It's not entertaining. Yeah, like we said, it felt like they were preaching at us and not communicating the idea in a, like you said, subtle way. It was very overt. So they almost got me, and then they turned it into this drug episode, which I didn't want to see. I don't want that from Star Trek. Of course, drugs are bad, something to be avoided, but I think the general consensus is that the war on drugs failed, and the whole approach was not effective. As we've mentioned before, this is not a kid's show. It's true, it's not. It's for adults. Yeah, so this isn't going to change anyone's mind, especially because it's so poorly done. But leaving that scene aside, let's get into the beginning of the episode, shall we? As interesting as the episode was in many parts, looking back on it now, the problems started at the beginning. As they often do. Yeah. They're investigating the dramatically shifting magnetic fields of the star in the Delos solar system. Why are they investigating it? They've said so many times, like, no, we're not going to do that. We'll have a science vessel come back and investigate. They shouldn't even be doing this assignment. It seems like their ship can't handle it either. Although they are the flagship, and it's so severe that they're even having trouble. Probably thought that the science vessels couldn't handle the intense electromagnetic waves hitting the ship. And they might be right. Honestly, it's a little concerning at the very beginning, right? Great tension. I actually really like the premise of this. I was on board for the whole sun thing. Yeah, me too. I would have liked it if they had taken that further. I was disappointed when they shifted gears, like you mentioned, to this drug deal in progress, quote-unquote. I was, in the moment, carried along by it. They go through it, something new, they deal with it, and it kind of unfolds fairly organically and naturally, I think. Basic encounter. That's when things started going awry. So tension's building. Troy even mentions how tense people are on the ship. And that's building and building, and then they just go away. 
and they never come back to the star. And then when they're done the episode, they don't study it anymore. They just leave the solar system. Is that star going to go supernova? No, it's just shifting. I think it's going to be okay. I thought they would have some addressing of the heavy solar winds and stuff that they're dealing with in the solar system, hampering their technological developments. That's true. That could have been easily written in. Because they said 200 years before, these people were on the brink of space travel. Although then later, 200 years before, they had space travel. So that's another inconsistency. But they could have been halted, not being able to figure out how to do space travel without reliable electrical systems. Writing was definitely all over the place with this one. Mm -hmm. Sets up a premise about the star, never comes back to it. Inconsistencies with the timeline of these two civilizations. One point, the Starfleet officers pull up some of the information about civilization. Like, where do they have that on file? Where was that from? How did they get that information? It was totally out of left field and felt completely contrived on the part of the writers to give us information. They could have easily worked in a nice conversation between the Enterprise and the Onarans or maybe the Breckians and get them talking and they could tell some of the history. That would be great character development and civilization development for those characters. All we get is squabbling children, again. Mm-hmm. One, I want the medicine. No, you can't have the medicine without paying. We already paid you. No, you didn't. And that's literally almost every line of dialogue we get until the very end. Every scene they're together, they're fighting about the same topic in the same way. It never even changes or adapts. They don't change their approach. They're single-minded in their attempts. Onarans are desperate. The Breckians are unyielding. And that's the only two notes they hit over and over again in this episode. So they go to help this ship. It's the Onaran vessel Sanction, captained by Tajan. He's acting really weird. They're losing the ship. It's deorbiting over Onara. Great visuals at this point, by the way. Yeah. Their problems have nothing to do with the sun, though. See, that's what's weird. Like, it should have been a malfunction caused by the sun. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a big deal. It would have just been nicer to have that all be related. He acts so weird. Now, I know he's in withdrawal, right? Right. But at the time, I was expecting more answers about exactly how they're behaving, knowing their ship is just going to break up in the atmosphere, and they're going to die. You'd expect some survival instinct to be kicking in, and he seems to have none. He has no emotion. I thought maybe they were going to be sick with something more like that was making them zombies or something. Ooh, that would have been good. More like zombies, not exactly zombies. He was just like, I don't know, uh, maybe it's broken. Eh. He should have had a little bit more than that, right? I agree. I don't think he was so far gone on his drug problem that all that would be completely gone. Again, the writers are overdoing it. Right. But my real question, actually, after getting farther along in the episode, was what about the Breckians? They're on the ship. They're fine. And then they lose two people, and they do mention, oh, they don't seem that upset about those other two people, but they never bring them up again. Okay, I'm just listing problems. At this point, yeah, you're not... I thought (laughs) you were the fixer. This episode is too far gone. We need to just let it die in peace. Whoa. The fixer (laughs) has declared it brain dead. Shut off the podcast now. We're going to move on to the next episode. No. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) No. Riker wants to beam over. <laughs> no, Riker? And you know, Yar stops him. Again. I was like, yay, go Yar, doing your job. Woohoo. She's been doing some 
great things lately, making some good decisions, really pulling her weight, showing some definite leadership qualities emerging. It's nice to see. Yeah, it almost makes me overlook her drug speech later. And they show her controlling the transporter again when they're trying to bring over the people from the ship. That's right. We saw in the episode with the Klingons, Yar be put on the transporter by Picard as someone maybe who had a specialty in operating it. And we see that again here. So it's nice to see her being really competent. Yeah, so we already talked about this. Two of them from each party make it to the Enterprise. Two are gone. No one cares about them. They do care about their cargo, though. They beam that over first. Yeah, they start fighting about it right away. Two notes. Only two. No more, no less. So these people have natural electrical charge. Another thing that's interesting about them is they're on two different planets, but they've evolved in exactly the same way. That is interesting. Clearly one is a colony of the other. Yeah, there was some more history there that they didn't know, I think. The Starfleet officers acted like they had the full backstory on these people, and I don't think they did. I definitely think that they didn't. Yeah, they were the same. So Jordy gets the bridge. Woo! We don't get to see him do much, but after the last episode, we can rest assured that he is captaining well. So we find out they don't know how to fix their vessels at all. They've completely lost this knowledge, even though they built the vessels in the first place. The Onarans. The Onarans, yeah. The Breckians, for all their glitz and glamour, don't have space travel, which is interesting. As we later find out, they've converted all of their industry into formulating and producing the medication, air quotes. Felicium, like Felicity. Felicity. As soon as they called it Felicium, I was like, here we go. Buckle in, folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. So now that they've (laughs) crashed... This vessel, without really caring about it that much, they only have two left in their fleet. Whoa. Yeah. So we do get the sense from the beginning that something did go catastrophically wrong in their civilization. A big problem like this, like the plague we find out they did in fact have at one point, can knock your civilization back a lot. Look at the Dark Ages, all that information lost with the fall of the Roman Empire. Although it didn't seem like quite a long enough time period to lose that much information. I agree, actually. Nitpicking at this point, though. We are getting a little nitpicky. Let's move (laughs) our nits along. Okay. Beverly finally examines them. For some reason, she wasn't around when they beamed over. Disconcerting on my part. She says she instinctively knows they're not really sick. Our medical senses are also pretty good, because we also knew they weren't really sick. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. It seemed clear that they, while suffering, weren't really in any serious danger. Another thing was, you know, they were saying that the entire planet's population was dependent on this shipment. A normal disease wouldn't leave them all needing the medication at exactly the same time, about to die together. No. That was weird. Actually, that made sense, as we found out what was going on. You asked, at this point, why don't they contact their governments? I did. And then we found out a little bit, not very long later at all, that They had been trying, but part of their systems were down. The Breckians have the Felicium so refined that a dose is only 0.01 milliliters. That's not a lot. No, and it lasts for 72 hours approximately. It's very, very potent. They've dedicated all their scientific energy towards the refinement process. They probably could have also achieved space travel by now. They must not have a free market economy. No. (laughs) 
that would be uh, really weird to have the entire entire sum of industry dedicated to one thing. So once they figure out everything that happens with the Onarans and the Breckians, Beverly really wants to intervene. Strongly wants to intervene. This is probably the better thing they do at this point of the episode. They bring up the Prime Directive, and you see two members of the Federation who perfectly well understand the Prime Directive, who aren't personally invested in the outcome, which is different from, like, when Wesley was going to be executed. Of course, Beverly was upset about that. Fine. And, of course, she wanted then Picard to intervene. In this case, you see them, neutral Starfleet officers, arguing about the Prime Directive. I think Beverly does let her judgment get clouded by her desire to help people. But Picard is right. She's mad at him. This is the kind of attitude that I remember from her. <laughs> a little less pleasant. They're just not there to try to fix societies. One of the reasons they're not there to fix societies is because they can't. They can only fix some obvious problem, but they can't anticipate or take responsibility for all the repercussions of what they do. Sure, it's great to get them unaddicted, but they can't sit around and babysit them. These societies have to work that stuff out alone. Yeah, the Prime Directive is clear about non-interference. And Picard, for the very first time, actually, we get a clear description of the Prime Directive in the episode. And he clearly lays out that they are to take no actions that would affect the course of the natural development of these other societies. And him allowing the Onarans to take the medication that they've not paid for would be a violation of the Prime Directive. He also can't stop the Breckians from delivering the medication either, or allowing it to be further refined, or anything like that. I'm not 100% sure what Beverly intends for him to do, I guess to deny them the medication. Yes, I think she wants Picard to tell the Onarans that they're addicted. They don't need the medicine. Oh, right. It's knowledge that they're withholding. Well, it's not his place to give them knowledge that they cannot figure out for themselves. No. And that would change the course of their history. 100%. Dramatically. And he's sworn to uphold the Prime Directive and make sure that he doesn't fail to abide by its ruling. And so he chooses the higher course, follows the philosophy that he adheres to, and I think he does the right thing. This is a great application of the Prime Directive, though. Oh, yeah. In the other episodes where it's come up, we've debated a little, been a little confused, not really sure what's up. This would obviously change the outcome and the course of their development. Yes. It's for the best. This is the kind of thing that the Prime Directive was meant for. Like I said, they can interfere, but that doesn't mean it's good, and now they're responsible for what happens. This is the beginning of the Beverly who's contentious, I think, and mm -hmm. is argumentative and idealistic and somewhat naive. It's kind of a regression for her character. And unfortunately, I think we return to this sort of difficulty. I guess it's good drama having two characters be ideologically opposed, but I'm more and more surprised at her as the series develops. I think she was a little too passionate. I mean, she just met these people. I know it's distressing, but... It was just too much for her character. She's a mature, really accomplished doctor. This is the kind of thing you'd expect to see from some hotshot right out of the Starfleet Academy who doesn't know what the real world's like yet. Hmm, like Wesley? Yeah, maybe they thought it wouldn't be convincing to have him argue with Picard because Picard would have shut him down faster. He would have and been right to do so. Yeah, 
It needed to be someone who could actually argue with Picard without him just saying, no, we're done. I agree. If that's your aim, I question the whole thing because they're all officers of Starfleet. They should know better. I was disappointed by this whole plot line. It was nice to get the Prime Directive clearly explained for the first time, but Mm -hmm. still, I didn't like the way they handled the rest of it. That's when Wesley has his little convo. Moving on. (laughs) Although I will say, that was spurred on by his mother questioning Picard and getting very upset right on the bridge in front of everyone, including her son. Not very professional. I'll just say, I wrote down, boom, it's war on drugs time. (laughs) That's what I wrote. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, they didn't need to do this to make the points, like we said. No. To John, holds Riker hostage for a minute there with his electrical powers. Great scene, very tense. Yeah, which they heavily foreshadowed with Riker and Yar's conversation in the hallway about how their weapons they can't confiscate. Oh no, what might occur? Will Riker fall prey to yet another civilization stunning him? Poor Riker. Well, Picard is ready to let him die. That was interesting. Not really. He knows Tajan won't kill him. He's not a killer. I don't know how he knew that, but okay. Instinct. This is exactly what I was talking about, injustice. I specifically said that. The Prime Directive maybe won't prevent a person from getting accidentally killed. It's not the same as an execution by a society, which is what they were doing in justice. But this would be that kind of thing, accidental crew death. Oh well. It's the burden they have to bear. So the Breckians are very satisfied. They're going to give the Onarans the Felicium. Everything's going to continue on. Status quo for the drug lords. Then Picard and Beverly have this conversation where they're like figuring out that the Breckians knew, but they're talking about the Breckians in third person while the Breckians are right there. It's very weird. That was very, very strange. That's maybe a little nitpicky, but it was really weird. It felt very odd and unnatural. Yeah, so there's more Prime Directive stuff there. But then we find out, as all our visitors are about to beam away with the drugs, that Picard has decided to renege on his promise to give them coils to fix their ships. A promise that he made way back at the beginning, like you mentioned, where it started to go off the rails, when they first met up with this stranded, deorbiting ship. Right, because at that time, as far as he could tell, this was a normal spacefaring civilization. Right. Why not help them with some repairs, you know, if they're having troubles? But in fact, they're actually a civilization who used to be spacefaring and are just still using the vessels. They don't have the know-how to be spacefaring at this time. He had to change what he said he would do in order to follow the Prime Directive, now that he knows more about the situation. If it was just some normal thing where they just happen to be a ship stranded, of course you can help them, but the whole society has regressed. They shouldn't have this technology anymore if they can't normally repair it and maybe build new ships and all that stuff. Right, right. So he's letting the decline continue, right? which will affect their ability to get the drugs, and that's the way he handles that. Yeah, so very soon, the Breckians and the Onarans are going to be separated again. The Onarans will go off their drugs, they will all survive, and then perhaps they can get going again the way they were headed with their civilization before. Also, possibly the Breckians will figure out how to do space travel. 
or the Onarans will want revenge for their parasitic usage of them and mm-hmm. will militarize, be able to figure out how the ships work faster, and go over and blow up the Breckians. Yeah, whatever happens, they're going to be separated for a bit. Some time to regroup. <laughs> the Onarans should get space travel first because they have all the information on how to do it. They, do. they just need to relearn. The Breckians never had it before, and they're going to really struggle since their entire economy is based on the Felicium. There will no longer be demand for. They're going to have famine. They're going to have riots. They're going to have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Unrest, civil unrest, and rebellions. Maybe the whole government breaks down at that point. Well, they're in a parasitic relationship, so they're not stable in and of themselves. Right. So these civilizations have a long way to go. They were getting close to maybe joining Starfleet before that plague hit, mm-hmm. but now they're nowhere near again. It's a little bit different than some of the stuff we've seen before. Actually, that aspect of it I really liked. I know we've been a little harsh on this episode overall. A little. (laughs) But there were, like we said, some highlights too. Highlights like the better cinematography, the interesting premise of the star. Wish they had resolved that. Unfortunately, there was no data of the day today because data was in the episode but not very well utilized. We've talked about the plot holes. We've talked about the annoying PSA. The writing was a mess. The idea wasn't strong. With the PSA on top, it just didn't hold up. I'm going to give this episode a 4 out of 10 parasitic civilizations. I've already complained a lot about this episode. You have. (laughs) I did really like the beginning with the sun. The directing was, was fun and engaging, but I don't know. It just didn't feel like Star Trek. To me, maybe I'm too used to their normal style. Yeah, drugs are bad. But when you're writing a TV show, you can let that speak for itself in your story. There was way too much exposition in this one. Not just the drug thing, like a lot of exposition about these civilizations. It wasn't diegetic to the story. You know, in the last episode, we gave them a lot of criticism for the Cold War themes, but they were just that, themes. They didn't say, the Cold War is bad, stop nuclear weapons. (laughs) They just let it speak for itself, you know? That's what they needed to do in this episode. They could have gotten rid of the little public service announcement, which was really unfortunate also because up until this point, Wesley was being used properly as an ensign on the bridge and just reporting what he saw and stuff. They could have gotten rid of that, cleaned up a little bit of the weird plot holes that we mentioned some of, and it really would have been a perfectly decent episode, with even some parts that were better than decent. Another disappointing episode, I'm going to give it 3.5 out of 10 disrupted electrical systems. This has been Season 1, Episode 22, Symbiosis. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, add us at the Next Next Gen. We don't do any paid promotion of this podcast, and your word of mouth helps us to grow our show. Please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. That really helps us out. Thanks to everyone who listens regularly, and we'll be back soon with another episode.